Well, the, the truth is that the majority of people here in this state are quite short. So we have to adjust that way. Anywho. Okay, so good evening. Uh, before I get into this, I need to make a few comments, okay? One would be that one of the amazing joys that we get to experience as people that are in the body of Christ is we get to pray for one another, right? And we get to care for one another. And so as you find time, please keep those that are in the church in Crestview in your prayers as that hurricane is upon them, that the Lord would keep them safe and protect them. Please do that. Um, and the second thing, I already forgot, so I guess it's not very important. Um, so, uh, jumping back into this, we are, as Evan was saying, we are uh, continuing the series here of Get Real, and Evan has already brought uh, the first two subjects here about obey God's commands and believe God's truths, which are essential. And here is another one, love one another. Um, and we need some serious help and seeing what that looks like, uh, where does this love come from? Um, getting into that, um, l- love, is, love is probably one of the most sought-after experiences on earth or in life. And people throughout the centuries have lusted after it, right? They have written countless songs about it. They have uh, personified it in poetic form. There's movies about it all over the place. Um, but what is it? What does it look like, or what should it look like? And that's what we're going to be getting into tonight. So, by a show of hands, how many of you are Pitch Perfect fans, or at least have seen the films? Okay, some of you care about sanctification, and others don't. Okay, so, this could go potentially bad. Anywho, in the films Pitch Perfect, which is about acapella groups, okay? They have a thing called a riff-off, okay? What is a riff-off? That is a great question. A riff-off is a battle between the acapella elites, okay? And what happens is, in a particular scene, is they have a projector that shows, let's just say, on this wall, and it will show a wheel, okay? Generated by the computer. And it spins and randomly falls on something like... Women of the 80s, and you have to come up with songs from that particular genre, from that gender, okay? And so, we are going to essentially play that now, in a way. So, who likes to sing in front of people? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Thank you for your eagerness. That's very helpful. Um, No, so this is what we're going to do. We are going to do something similar to that, right? Just imagine over here on this wall, you have that same spinny wheel thing, okay? And and we're going to see what people have to say about love, okay? How they would define it. So imagine the computer starts and the wheel starts spinning and it ends randomly on musical artists. Let's see what musical artists have to say about love. Let's talk about the well-known Dean Martin, And if you don't know him, you're missing out. This guy is nicknamed the King of Cool. He was one of the five members of the original Rat Pack, okay? And one of his well-known songs is about love, which goes a little something like this. You're nobody until somebody loves you. You're nobody until somebody cares. Just absorb this information. (laughs) This is clearly crucial, okay? (laughs) 
Okay, more in this same category. What about <laughs> Tina Turner? Tina Turner. This is educational for many reasons because you guys need to get up to date. Tina Turner. What's love got to do? Got to do with it? <laughs> What's love? But a secondhand emotion, right? I felt like bumper there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so what's love got to do with it? It is just a secondhand emotion. What's love, what's love got to do with it? That is Tina Turner's version of that. Very helpful. How about Kiki, do you love me? Are you okay, Drake, Drake doesn't even know if, if, if his love is returned. He is just hoping that. He is questioning Kiki, whoever that is, on the love. And that is what he has to say about it. So back to the wheel. The wheel spins again, okay? And it lands on celebrities. Hopefully you know more of these celebrities than you do musicians. Okay, Russell Brand. If you don't know him, you're not missing out. He's apparently a comedian, but this is what he has to say. First and foremost, self-love, and then give love away. Just awe-inspiring. Ice-T, he was a rapper. Okay, he is not a rapper anymore. He is on bum bum bum. Law and order. Thank you, Law and Order. And the reason why he's not a rapper anymore is well, just listen to his tracks. Um, but this is what Ice T says. He says, "Passion makes the world go round. Love just makes it a safer place." That is that is pretty pretty important and profound. How about RuPaul? If you don't know RuPaul, that is probably a good thing. Um, won't go into detail, but this is very telling. If you can't love yourself, how in the world are you going to love somebody else? And finally, Will Smith, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay? The man in black. The man in black. I respect that, Hunter. Okay, this is what he says, okay? And this, this, this first part should really capture your attention, ready? He said, the central idea of love is, and now you're just, this is a cliffhanger because you're wanting to know, right? <laughs> not even, a, uh, is that, the idea of love is not even a relationship commitment. The first thing is a personal commitment to be the best version of yourself with or without that person with you. You have to, to every single day, mind, body, and spirit, wake up with a commitment to be better. Now, finally, the wheel spins, and we're going to hear from religious leaders around the world, okay? And we have here with us tonight Rabbi David Wolp. David Wolp, many of you probably don't know him. Yeah, why would you? Um, but David Wolp is a rabbi in Sinai Temple in Los Angeles. Okay, and in 2012, he uh, was named one of the most influential rabbis in America by Newsweek magazine, because they have authority to do that. Um, he has written eight books, and um, he was also noted as being one of the 50 most influential Jews by the Jerusalem Post. So there you go. There's just a little bit of backing. So he has his Instagram people, the gram, right? He is one of those influencers. Okay? So this is what he has to say. Good old rabbi. Uh, the heading is, it's, it's, uh, it's not just a feeling, it's an emotion that causes action. Okay? He says, it's time to change the meaning of the word love. Well, 
Now you have my undivided attention because you're going to change the meaning of love. He said, the word is mostly used according to the first uh, definition given in the dictionary, which is an intense feeling or deep affection. In other words, love is what one feels. Uh, he goes on to say, we would uh, have a healthier conception of love if we understood that love, like parenting or friendship, is a feeling that expresses itself in action. And although I am not like Evan and very smart, I would say he is close, but so far. So we have heard, thanks to our Pitch Perfect game, many worldly wisdom, right? So we definitely need some prayer now. So let it, please join me as we pray and ask the Lord to help us learn what he has to say about this category. Heavenly Father, we are just amazed, Lord, even as that song we just sang, oh, what a mystery, Lord God, that your grace has come to me. Lord, Lord, when we have a right perspective of who we are in light of your holiness, Lord, that is a glorious mystery. Lord, as we dive into your word, Lord, would you sanctify us in the truth? Your word is that truth. Lord, would you allow us to have our eyes opened? Lord, would you condition our hearts to receive your word? And I pray, Lord, that you would help me. Lord, not that um, I would sound good, but that what they would hear would make you sound glorious. In your name we pray, amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to 1 John chapter 3. If you do not, shame on you. If you have a phone, please use it. Um, I want you guys to see what the Bible has to say about this category. So 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, this is going to be verses 11 through 18. And this is what the Word of God says. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was, the evil, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out from death into life because we, why? Love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So here in the beginning, we see that the Apostle John is noting that this loving of others is a calling from God on all of our lives, right? For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So implications here are this is not a new thing, right? This has been spoken of before. 
Imagine that thing that your mom and dad are always reminding you of and you seem to never remember. Okay, this is one of those things again. So just picture the Jews that he's writing to be like, oh yeah, we've heard that one before. This is going to be good. Um, but the implication is that you know this commandment has been from the beginning. So despite what the rabbi has to say, right, you can't reinvent the wheel. Right? This has already been established and taught before. And in case you need further proof, uh, Jesus is uh, asked something about this in Matthew 22. He deals pretty cunningly with the, with the Sadducees, and now the Pharisees come to him, and they're trying to stump him, right? And they said, what's the greatest commandment? What is it? And he quotes Deuteronomy 6.5, right? He goes back and he quotes Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he adds, and the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. This is interesting. This is very, very interesting here because he is not only going back to Deuteronomy 6.5, but he is going back to the Ten Commandments, right? And so loving God covers the first four commandments and loving others, your fellow believers, covers the next six. So it says here in Romans 13, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Later in verse 10, it says it is summed up in this saying that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, but love therefore is the fulfillment of the law. So there you have it again. Loving God and loving others is this fulfillment of the law that was instituted way back from when John is writing. He is only reminding us of this calling. And whether you like it or not, he has called all of us to enter into this calling of loving one another. And this call is not easy. This call is not fun most of the time, but this call is indeed a matter of life and death, as we see here in verse 12 through 14. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds, deeds, deeds. Remember that word, deeds, okay? Remember that word, hold on to it. We'll get back to it later. Were evil, and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So this graphic tone of murder here mentioned in 12 and through 14, it's not hyperbole by any means. This is not an exaggeration. We've heard it before that if you have hatred for your brother, you've committed murder, right? And so here in the, in the instance of Cain and Abel, Cain murdered Abel spiritually just as much as he did physically. This is, this is a graphic occasion, the first murder that happens. And, and trust me, it wasn't as if Cain waited 
drew Abel to some field or knew he was going to be there, and Cain is sitting 165 yards off with a 300 wind mag and a phantom scope, okay? He rose up against his brother and violently murdered him. And there is no difference here than if we hate our brothers and sisters. We are creating a violent murder against them. When I, when I see and when I think about uh, this, this murder and, and, and how many times I have treated people poorly or I have thought ill of them, I have hated my brothers and sisters in Christ, you, you sense that the heaviness of that conviction on you, right? Lord of the Rings fans, show of hands. God bless you all. <laughs> so in Lord of the Rings, one of the schizophrenic episodes between Gollum and Smeagol, right? Gollum is trying to convince Smeagol of who he really is. Let's not play around here, okay? You're not one of the good guys, dude, Okay. And he, they're going back and forth and, and Smeagol's asking him to stop and, and Gollum finally gets him in. And the, the moment is right for condemnation to be thrown down on him. And he goes, murderer. It was extremely poignant. And, and Smeagol's, murderer. <laughs> right, but that, but that, but that, that murderer thing has already struck the chord because he knows it's true, yep. right? So even in that, I'm like, I'm not that scary little dude. <laughs> I didn't kill, kill that hobbit back in the day. But here, you see that. The seriousness of what happens when we hate our brothers and sisters, it is murderer on you. It is, that is deep and it should be stirring. So the question for us tonight is, what is your weapon of choice? How are you slaying your brothers and sisters? Is it unforgiveness? Is it bitterness? Is it anger? Slander? Gossip? These things are all weapons used to destroy. And unfortunately, these have been weapons that have maybe not necessarily destroyed, but definitely caused some serious disconnect with one another, right? when you have lied to one another or when you have <clears throat> made someone lie for you, when you have thought that, oh, this person, this guy just wants attention, so I don't want to hang out with him anymore. Or this girl just wants to flirt with all the guys. And so you think ill of them and you don't want to have anything else to do with them. These things creep in so easily and then murder takes place. But God says we are to love one another. So do you love your fellow believers? Do you love your fellow believers? That does not just mean the people around you right now, but also the people further in the back, right? This includes your mom and dad. Well, actually, yes. It includes your mom and dad. It includes your brother and sister. It includes those in the church that are four years old in nursery to the 84-year-old that needs help getting into the church. It encompasses all of those things. You are to love one another across the board. There is no distinction from that nerdy person that you have nothing in common with to that annoying person that you wish would just go away. You are called to love them all. 
Loving others is getting out of yourself. It is getting out of your comfort zone and meeting someone where they are. Because the call to love others is not self-gratifying. At least it's not supposed to be. It is not self-gratifying. It is supposed to be self-emptying. As we see here in verse 16 through 17. By this we know love. What is this, this that we know love about? That he, Christ, laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone who has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Here we are. Christ laid down his life for us. And we who are to be imitators of Christ, are to do the same for our brothers and sisters. To get outside of ourselves, to to go where they are, to empty ourselves and be ready to serve in courageous ways. That's what he's called us to do. Similarly, in in John chapter 15, this is my commandment, says the Lord, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one but this, that someone laid down his life for another. Now God here personalizes it. Don't just love one another, but love one another as I have loved you. The God of the universe has shown love to you. And that should have a significant effect on us. Hopefully, right? Or maybe we would get more excited if Robert Downey Jr. showed love to us, right? Yeah, or or someone else. But, But God shows his love for us. And that should have a radical impact on our lives. So when was the last time you sacrificially loved someone? Never. Okay. This is your chance. When was the last time you sacrificially loved someone or sought to serve someone without expecting anything in return? When was the last time you sacrificially loved someone and went out of your way to serve them? He did it for us, and he's calling us to do it for others. Now, many of you guys, if you follow social media or any sports stuff, you will be aware of the Nike ad. It's okay. Life will go on. (laughs) Um, I I don't think I have anything more to say than the myriad of people that have posted on social media, whether agreeing or angry about, about it. But here's the thing. He sacrificed himself. So believe in him. And in so believing in him, live as he's called you to live, right? Like, just do it because he's called you to do it. We have a hard time listening to authority. I know I did at your age. Uh, but but you, cer- you, cer- you soon learn that whether it's authority from your parents or from God, it is a significant grace in your life. And we are to listen to that. <clears throat> so, John 10, 11, in continuing with this aspect of laying down his life, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. 
lays down his life for his sheep. Those who are vulnerable and have no ability to do it on their own. Those who are significantly dependent upon him, he laid down his life for us. And we love only because he first loved us. Now, this love that we are to demonstrate to our fellow believers and the world as a whole, it can't be just lip service, right? We can't just walk around and be like, hey man, I love you. I really do, <laughs> okay? That doesn't really, I mean, that might feel good. One of the, one of the uh, celebrities uh, quoted saying that uh, saying, telling someone that you love them is worth more than money. And my response would probably be, like, I, I think I did rather the money. <laughs> I don't know what your love means, right? I don't know what comes with that love. Is it just what you're saying, right? Could be empty. So I think I'll just take the cash, bro. Um, but it can't be just lip service, okay? This, this kind of love that we are to display to one another, it has demands. And the demands that it has is it demands action, right? So... The rabbi is partly right. It needs action. The call to love others demands action. Verse 18 of chapter 3. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Deed. Deed. We're back to that deed word, right? She, she was paying attention mainly because she's in front, but she's paying attention, okay? So that deed word that was mentioned before, evil deeds that Cain did, righteous deeds, able deed. now we're back to this deed, okay? That we are to not just love in word of talk, but in deed and truth. What does that mean? That means that you need to do some deeds, like get off your butt and go serve someone kind of deed, right? Or put the phone down and hit your knees kind of deed. Or to stop uh, bad-mouthing and talking back and listen and obey your mom and dad kind of deed. That's the kind of deeds that we need to do. It, it requires action. Otherwise, it's just empty words, right? I can say you I love you to the cows come home. That doesn't mean anything, right? Now, in previous messages, I have admitted shamedly that because I was primarily raised by my mother, that I was forced to get into musicals, <laughs> okay? Yeah, well, just, I should have prefaced, this is not going to work. Um, so musical that I was introduced to as we have Jewish heritage would be Fiddler on the Roof, okay? Wow, <laughs> never would have thought that. <laughs> yeah, well, Yuvi is talking to Goldie, right? The wife, yes. And he says, do you love me? And she says, paraphrase, because clearly who would memorize that movie? She says, well, after being married for a quarter of a century, 25 years, right? She says, well, you know, I've uh, given you children. I've cleaned the house. I've kept up with the chores. I haven't left. If that's not love, what is? Right? So it's kind of interesting, but there's, there's action behind that. Right? There's a commitment there to do something, to stay. <clears throat> in, this, in this aspect of, of doing deeds and not just talking, right? It is imperative that we do that because we're not called just to be imitators of Christ. We're called to be participators, right? So you can go to Vegas. Don't go to Vegas, but if you go to Vegas, you can see 
Elvis Presley impersonators, right? Or Michael Jackson impersonators. Michael Jackson, good music, excellent dancer. Uh, yeah, so if you go to any of these places and you see these people imitating them, you're, they, are, they are reflecting the music and the dancing, right, that they did, right? They're not furthering that along at all, okay? We are called to participate in what Christ has done and what he is doing, right? It also means not only that you love one another, that you display this love of Christ, that you that you do things, that you have actions. It's also in the manner in which you conduct yourself with one another, right? 1 Corinthians 13, on love. We know what this is. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, how many of you have been to one of those places, I don't know if they have it like Japanese restaurants or whatever, and they gong. Yeah. Could you just imagine if that was just like going off everywhere? Every time you spoke? I know how that feels. Who likes to talk a lot? Hey. Could you just imagine every time that you were talking, there's just a gong going off the whole time? How annoying would that be? Oh, yeah. I mean, personally, I would prefer more cowbell, but... um. But it's this, it's that concept, that, that, is, that is a great picture of what it is like, okay, if, 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 if you do not have love. And later on in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, it says this, okay, what is love in action and conducting yourself in the way it should be? Love looks like patience, right, and kindness. It doesn't envy or boast your friend who is doing well in school or athletics. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It does not insist on its own way. It does not insist on its own way. Why? Because love is self-emptying. It's not about you. It's not saying, what can I get out of this interaction or this friendship? No. It's not insisting on your own way. It's how can I love this person as Christ has loved me and given his life for me? It is not irritable or resentful, right? It doesn't harbor bitterness at all. It is quick to forgive. <clears throat> it does not rejoice at wrongdoing. So if you see someone, a friend, classmate who is doing something wrong, you're not cheering him on. Or if he gets in trouble, you're not excited that he's getting disciplined. But rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That means in the tough times, in the difficult times, with your friends and family, when you don't want to be this way, you are loving, endures all things. Love never ends. And fortunately, by God's grace, we have the one who not only pours out his love on us, but who teaches us how to love others. And not only that, but who equips us and strengthens us to do it. So the second part of this message is 
the love of God. First is the love of others or loving others, and this is the love of God. So just jump over to chapter 4 in 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. And this is what it says. This is the source of love. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Here the Apostle John is declaring that love is not a byproduct of fond emotions or feelings. Okay? The Apostle John is clear that love is from God. A.W. Pink in his book, The Attributes of God, writes, It is not simply that God loves, but that God is love itself. Love is not merely one of his attributes, but his very nature. It has always been. God is love, and he continues to display his love. He is love always, from eternity past. So before he created anything, he was enjoying love in the fellowship of the Trinity, perfectly. Receiving and giving love. And now he gives the same love to us. This love is unique in that it is uncaused. We can't cause his love to happen, right? Please do not be mistaken. God's love did not react. It initiated, okay? Deuteronomy chapter seven. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and keeping his oath that he swore to your fathers. But it is because the Lord loves you. What freeing news is this? That there is nothing that we can do to earn the love of God. If there was something that we could do to earn it, I guarantee you we would not earn it. There would be no way. Or would you rather it be like The Bachelor? Yeah, The Bachelor. Would you rather it be like God is The Bachelor and you are the female, just go with me, you are the female contestants, right? And you are doing whatever you can to earn the love and affection from this bachelor, right? And so you're sneaky and you're conniving, right? You, you do whatever you can. Um, you get in fights with other girls. You try to find out what his likes and dislikes are so you can use them. You try to push the boundaries of physical contact, all hoping that he would bite and appreciate this and give you his love and affection. And as silly as that sounds, is a lot of the world acts like that not only in relationship, but in attempting to please God or appease Him. They act like there's something that they can do to earn that love. God loved us first. He initiated. He came to us and met us where we are. Aren't you glad that there's nothing that we can do to earn God's love? And the reason why we love, the reason why we love others, love other believers, is because He first loved us us. That's huge, guys. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how it affects us. His love is active and it is effective. So it's not just one point where God says, I'm going to love you here 
and good luck. But he loves you and he continues to lavish his love on you as he remains with you and it is effective. 1 John 4, this is verse 9 through 10. It says, In this love of God, in this the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Another cliffhanger. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Oh, the love of God. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins because he loved us. Bear in mind, this is the father loving us, sending the son to die for us. The son willingly doing it for his love for us. It is no different there as you see the glorious truth in Romans 5. One would scarcely die for a righteous man. One might die for a good man. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So don't just picture like you're just walking away from God like a robot or a zombie, don't want nothing to do with you. Dude, you were dead. Like just imagine a valley of bones and that's you. You have no way to, to look to God and say, that's something that I want and something that I need. But even if you were, you wouldn't be able to do anything because you're dead. You are dead. In, in the EMS realm, we, we had a little, a little saying in, in, in regards to cardi, cardiology, right? For your heart. Dead meat don't beat, okay? So if you lose oxygen in your heart and that tissue becomes to become infarcted or dead, you can't bring it back, it's dead, right? And obviously, if it's dead, it doesn't beat. You are not beating, you are dead. And Christ, by his grace, said, I am going to set my love on this person. That should blow us away. There was nothing in us for God to look on and say, that dude is going to do some stuff in life. He has got potential, yeah. No, not at all. Mm -mm. Ask my mom. Um, there is no potential in me at all, and yet God in his divine grace looked and said, I'm going to love him, and I'm going to call him to myself, and therefore, he's going to experience the love that I have. So think about that for a moment. If he did not call you, you would not be able to know what love is. What? You would not even be able to know what love is. But he called you and now you get to experience this love. This is amazing love. Now, no disrespect to Dean Martin or Tina Turner. Um, but when you become aware of the love of God for us, that he would send his own son to die, that he would crush his son, as it says in Isaiah 53, for us, you think of a different song to be sung about what love is. A different song should come to mind for you, like my Redeemer's love. Listen to these words and let them affect you. 
My Redeemer's love is deeper than the depths of sin and hell. He who was enthroned in glory came to bring us to himself. My Redeemer's love is wider than the breach my sins had made. He reached down into my darkness. He alone has power to save. The source of our love is God, and therefore it overflows to other people. Are you amazed by God's love for you? So, he gives us an amazing picture of his love for us, and then he calls us to love other people. But let's be real, this isn't an easy thing. This is a difficult thing at times. This is trying. This is trying, especially when you're in a situation where you have attempted to demonstrate the love of God to whoever, a family member, a brother and sister in Christ, and it has been years, and it has been maybe decades. This verse was given to me over this past weekend at the pastor's conference, and this word really got me. Um, because I didn't know I needed to hear it. But as I read this, read this word in Hebrews chapter six, I hope it encourages you guys. I hope it encourages people like Mama Fry and Mr. Fry, who have endured decades lavishing love on their children over and over again through difficult circumstances. And this is hopefully an encouraging word to all of us. Hebrews chapter six. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, we feel sure of better things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise here is such an encouraging, loving word from God that if you are a person who has attempted to love time and time again people over and over again and you've been met with resistance and maybe you've been met with hostility and maybe you've just seen absolutely no growth or change, that he, the God of the universe, is aware of your service and your love for the saints your love for the saints, the same love that David admits in, in chapter 16 of Psalms when he says, as for the saints in this land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. That same love for the saints, God sees that love. He's aware of it. Even if no one recognizes it, God sees it. He's not unjust to overlook it, but he is kind and he is loving to see it and to encourage you and to uh, spur you on, right? Right? 
so that you may not be sluggish, that you may continue in the course that he has given you, the command that he has given you to love one another unconditionally, nonstop, as your imitators of him through, who, through faith and patience, as you continue in faith, as you continue patiently loving one another, inherit the promises that God has promised for you. Good promises. Promises like he'll never leave you nor forsake you. That he's given you everything that you need for life and godliness. That his love has the power to change people's lives. He has the power to redeem people and regenerate lives. He will do this. And as you remain patient and steadfast, you see breakthroughs in people's lives where God works mightily. And then your faith is encouraged. When you see the difficulty is is that it is in God's timing. The good news is is that it's in God's timing. When you see it, it's glorious. So I can come up here or more adequately Evan or Pastor Keith can get up here and talk about the love of God and what he's done for you and what it cost to leave glory and all that you had, praise and adoration and, take, and, and come and humble yourself and take on human form and have to be changed, have a dirty diaper, have to experience hunger and thirst and sunburn. All of these things, all of these emotions of pain of, of when he, he wept over the death of Lazarus, all those things he had to endure and he did it willingly because he loved you. And that should overflow into our lives. To love others as Christ has loved you. When you see the love of God, you sing that song of what joy, what peace has come to us. What hope, what help. You need help in this category. We all need help in this category to love one another. What help, what love. He loved us and gave himself for us. He loves you still, always. Even in discipline, he is still loving towards you. He loved us. He gave himself for us. He loves you still. Therefore, let us love one another. Amen. Thank you, man. So much rich truth there. Guys, listen up. We, we were really well served tonight. And here, here's, a, here's a concern that I have as a pastor of a youth group. Um, we come into these settings and we, we bring about this much attention span with us. It's just enough to kind of make it through the message and to, 
to respond in that moment, receive something. Uh, but we haven't really brought enough capacity with us to be adjusted by the truth that we hear. And, and it's one thing to just, you know, go out and, you know, have fresh thought in our mind, yeah, we should love one another. But as Jordan brought from, from First John this, this evening, that we're, we're loving not in word, but in deed. And so I want us to, to have some space tonight for, for God to adjust us and for, for us to lean in and ask, Lord, what do you want me to see? Maybe there's a face that's going to come to mind. Maybe there's a person that you've been avoiding. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's a scene of you talking back to them, and you are, you are insisting on your own way. I mean, what, what a description that was. I'm so glad you said that tonight, man. From 1 Corinthians 13, love does not insist on its own way. But how natural does that feel to us? And our culture tells us, you're right to feel that way. You look out for you. You pay attention to what you want, what's comfortable for you, what's going to highlight you, and what's going to make you happy, and you fight for that. And all the people that God has called you to love are being left behind. So let's just take a moment to visit with the Lord and ask God, how, how do you want this word to adjust me? How do you want it to change the way that Tomorrow when I come home from school and I walk past this strange appliance called a dishwasher and it's loaded up, am I going to take that out of there and I'm going to unload that thing and I'm going to serve my home? What are the people that you're, you're calling me to pursue or that I've avoided that I need to go and I, I need to have a conversation? Listen, it's one thing to have some fresh thought about what God has called us to do in love. It's another thing to take action that looks like, I'm sorry, I've not loved you well. I've avoided you, I've taken the easy route, I've shut you out. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to, to minister to us for a moment. You bow your, your heads and you visit with the Lord personally. Just allow him to lead you to who are the people and the places where he's calling for this word to change your heart change your perspective and how you've viewed that patterns that have become really comfortable and easy for you ways of insisting on your own way
God, would that love go with us, Lord, in a fresh and compelling way? Would we be aware of that uninitiated, uncaused love that you have shown us in Christ that we cannot escape? Lord, would it remain in our minds and our hearts, Lord, tomorrow in the difficulty that we face? the uncomfortability that we want to avoid, the ways that you're calling us to lay down what we think is our rights. God, would it be your love changing us, adjusting us, leading us to show love to the people that you love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you again, Jordan, man. Excellent job tonight.